live from the apocalypse. This is the greatest place on earth. State of the game. It's in the digital earth. My name is Dan O. I am widely known as the Ed Asner of the blogosphere. Um, that's how everybody knows and talks about me. So I, I am here as your as your um, as your beautiful host. Yeah, physically beautiful, uh, empty inside. I am here joined. My co-host Kay Diggy is a, a world friggin' traveler. He's the kind of person that sends you a postcard from Paris. You know, he's gone this week. He's he's out there. He's discovering new languages and and at a bonfire with new people that he never knew before. Uh, so we're letting him have that moment. You know, I never leave the house. So my guests, we are talking about masterminds of the production here. This is these are two. If you watched the mid-year show, and if you did, thank you for getting through it. <laughs> it's a lot of talking. These two people were heavily featured on my favorite albums that had come out in, at that point. Uh, Mighty Healthy, all caps when you say the name. Uh, King Mighty 2, which has like this kind of cult following that is just fantastic. And uh, Timepiece, who produced a prose's uh, Bloodstained Pages. Alley Music. Yep. So, and the Lutera Collective and all that. So, glad to have you both here, gentlemen. That, that, it was that Alley Music, no, Bloodstained Pages. Bloodstained Pages, yep. No, Alley Music. Oh, that didn't come out this year. That no, was that last. was last year. Yeah. Yeah. But you produced for After Three on Bloodstained Pages. I, I did one track on there. Yep, After Three. No. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. I haven't, I haven't taken any notes either, so we're good. But listen, I, I do appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm worthy enough to say I have a cult following with this one album. <laughs> it's passion. The following is passion. Like if people are like, what's your favorite yep. shit this year? They're like, King Mighty, uh, King Mighty too. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yep. It's very good. So it was, uh, and, and I think, yeah, King Mighty 2 is kind of a good place to start just because I feel like the cult following has a lot to do with what people were fed up with in underground hip hop. And that you kind of packaged and delivered the kind of antidote to that. Um, is that is that a fair assessment or? Yeah, that it's also how I felt at the time. You know, I the, the, the first thing that I went in production wise is not only that I wanted to top the, the first one, I also wanted to do everything that everybody else was not doing. So yeah, that, that, that was definitely intentional. This goes along with a theory I have timepiece that hip hop has survived so beautifully because it hates itself. Mm -hmm. it hates itself viciously. Yeah. Whenever a trend rises, a trend immediately rises to counter it. It says, yeah. I fucking hate what you just did. And I'm going to go the opposite direction. And that's really, I think King Mighty 2 did a lot of that. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, big drums, obviously, which were yep. missing in a lot of spaces in the underground, but also rapping for rapping's sake. 
like rapping because you're really good at rapping. Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't like a personal journey through the loss of his favorite horse, you know? Uh, and s- sometimes you get some, some esoteric stuff up. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Hip hop is one of those genres. There's not many genres out there like that, but it, it can shit on itself. It can do a lot of things to itself. Um, and also there's a lot of grumpy old men out there. You're not doing it the way we used to do it. And that's, you don't really see that in rock music a lot. I mean, I don't know. People, it's, it's okay. It's okay in rock music. I mean, in rock, if you come up playing in a band or something, you know, like you, you love Led Zeppelin, Metallica, whatever, all the classics. It's just part of your, your DNA. But in hip hop, it's like, man, fuck these old guys. Um, yeah, because I, I think it's, it's twofold. It's, um, you know, the frequency of drops that we get from people. Um, and, and also just in comparison, we're just so much younger of a genre that they haven't experienced that. They're not there yet to where they could just stop mm-hmm. saying that. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I feel like rock got too nice and it started to be like, oh, you sound just like Led Zeppelin. That's great. I love Led Zeppelin. Like hmm. what? Whereas I had to fight with people for about five years to make Action Bronson a viable artist, right? Everywhere I went, they were like, this motherfucker's Ghostface. And I'm like, he, he, he's and not. We had, it's, like, it's so not. <laughs> I had to fight for my spot there. Um, but like Action earned it, right? At this point, that's really not a big part of the deal because he's been through the fire in that way. And I don't think, I think rock kind of lost that where everybody was just very agreeable and yep. like, Oh, this is good. You're good too. You know? Yeah. yeah that's very true. I also think um, hip hop up until, I mean, it's slowly become less and less of a, of a fringe kind of music it sort of moved out of the shadows and now it's everywhere like no one no one could have predicted how big it got ever i remember when i was a kid my dad would be like that garbage music that won't be around in 10 years and i was like yep okay showed you dad yeah yeah no it's it was it was wild to be to back then it was it was wild because it was there was a lot of distaste with that stuff. Uh, oh, I just remembered that I didn't introduce anything we were going to talk about. So, <laughs> production trends in 2021 is kind of the loose net we're throwing over this thing because the, I feel like the sounds changed this year in a big way and splintered into like a bunch of different places. Um, and I wanted to get people who are really smart uh, but make this music to talk about it uh, and just kind of have a free-flowing conversation. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about, I wanted to kick this to you people and see if this makes any sense. One of the things I think has changed this year, uh, maybe finalized, not changed, but finalized, is that there isn't really a gap between the top producers 
and the the bottom producers. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you're if in terms of like the sound quality, you can get a crazy. You can make a great album with a producer no one's heard of. Yep. Um, save yourself a lot of money. And you don't really need to to save up for Derringers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, at, at this at this point, if people want a particular producer, like I was just talking to somebody else about it. If they want a particular producer, they're really just doing it for the name. You know, at, at this point, you know, there's a billion guys that can sound exactly the same and you're really just focusing on the name at this point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's fair. What and, and I mean, I mean, like you said, you brought up a good point, and that was quality. I think um, you know, everyone's using the same samples, the same sample packs, the same equipment. It's kind of it's all done in the bedroom or whatever. It's so it sounds similar, it feels similar. Um, so I think that's a really good point, Dan. Yeah, it isn't. It the 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 money difference doesn't put you that far ahead anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see people make their names. Uh, I mean, it was somebody who was on Bloodstained Pages, uh, Sovereign, had the very best beat on that West Side Gun album. Uh, it was like. It wasn't even like Sovereign's cool, so I'm glad this beat. It was like, if you didn't see any of the production credits, her mm-hmm. beat came on, you were like, oh, shit. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And that's just, I, I just, things are different. Like, it's yeah. just, it's interesting to see the... Yeah, I think um, it's kind of cool in a sense that um, the opposite to that, I mean, West Side Gun, you know, picking beats from from nobody's essentially but then at the same time you've got people like mugs who's been around forever he could reach out to any rapper he wanted but he's plucking out all these underground dudes it's kind of cool yep it is weird his system is weird but sometimes it stresses me out because it does feel like he's waiting for you to reach a bar like yeah once you reach that bar he's like all right mugs mugs is into you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm just i'm just taking it in i'm just i'm just waiting just waiting you made it in what where are you at oh, okay yeah you bubbled up good come on crime apple you're ready um and it's it's weird uh but but it's it is brilliant and if you go to soulassassins.com it's it's incredible <laughs> the merch he has and he has like three pages of merch and it's all sold out all the time and and he bought a vinyl plant recently too. Yep. Yeah. What did you say he bought? He did. He bought a vinyl. He bought a vinyl plant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Cute. Yep. He's doing that. That's big. I mean, it's he's going to be self-sufficient. You know, people are going to come to it's him. A complete, it's a complete closed loop because, like, I'm sure he's probably still has his own studio. Every, everybody he works with, he's cool with. Um, and, you know, he doesn't really have to sell millions of copies like we used to anymore. So, yeah, like that, that that's kind of what you want. You know, you want a closed loop system. Yep. yep. Cutting out all those middlemen. Yeah. And it does provide some somewhat of a ladder, right? Where you're like, it, you know, you can, if you work hard enough, 
you can get to that level. You know, yeah. Jay mm-hmm. Nice is in the studio, like, I'm going to get this Muggs album, you know, uh, and, and I hope he does, you know, uh, that's cool. But it, it's, it's different. And I was, th- I was listening to the new Link Loan album uh, that just dropped and it has multiple August Phenom beats. And I was just like, wow, that's awesome. Like, it five years ago, seven years ago, I couldn't imagine somebody like Link Lone getting an August Fanon beat this early in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a tribute to how weird August Fanon is. Absolutely. Also, I think it's a tribute to him being, I, I don't know the guy at all, but from my basic interactions with him, he just seems like a really humble, down-to-earth guy um, who he just loves the music and he'll work with anyone who he feels like he has some kind of connection with. So I kind of feel the same way. Like I've got an album with Link Loan coming out. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'll just work. I was, I was talking to Mighty Healthy about this the other day saying, I'll just work with anyone. I don't care. It's um, it, it's kind of it's almost um, how can I put it? it? It's just fun to see what will come out of it and what you can bring to a project. Yep, it's got to be good. Yep. <laughs> I mean, and it feels like maybe Fanon cracked a code where he was like, "There's no point in me chasing money because I've got my name is my name at this point, right? Like, <laughs> I'm good." So if I'm going to put my name behind something, it's going to be crazy. Like I want to be, I want to be in for a journey. I want to have fun. Right. Mm. That's why he's producing iceberg theory albums where there's this massive spiritual journey happening throughout the record. And he's like, this is great. You know, this is fun to do. Yep, uh, yep. Your time is kind of more valuable than your money at some point. Right. And uh, to add on to that, you know, I, I think, as of you know recent years is you know you have you have people that that look at al people that look at mugs people that look at madlib like you realize that as producers you know we are curators of what's cool so you know all of us you know yeah you know some of us we chase placements you know there, there's stuff there's stuff i got going on but like i i get a real um what gives me real fulfillment is you know finding somebody like michael for example or now it's ace or or, yep. or other people like that and the show like this is what happens when I do something with them, you know? So yeah, that, that, that I definitely find more fulfilling than like the, the typical underground or mainstream placement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's the other thing that I really liked about music in 2021 is there were a lot of savvy veteran MCs who actually put together really well curated albums with multiple producers which, like, I just hope the youngsters are watching that. Because in my experience, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, MCs sometimes have, a pro- have trouble creating cohesive albums with multiple producers. Um, 100%. It's, it's a it, skill all by itself. It can be too long. It can be overstuffed and the sounds cannot mix. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I'm yeah, just what? No, I'm sorry, go ahead. Mugo, you go ahead. Okay, no, yeah, um, yeah. Album creation is a skill all by itself, and and you 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 see it. Um, 
when when you have someone you know that checks boxes as an artist but then you know the album has problems you know it, it that that's why you know i was listening to to your, uh to your one producer uh oh it's fc yeah yeah um and you know that that's important to have that person that that consistent person even even if it's an album with multiple producers um so it, it's 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 good to have that second ear and someone to tell you no because an out because an idea sucks right no, and, and it, it's it's just like, Tybees, uh, it's kind of like when you see, like, um, whenever you see an important actor become a director and they're really good at it and everybody's surprised, mm-hmm. you're like, mm-hmm. well, look, pull up their IMDb and see who directed them. Right? Like, yeah, go, like, ahead. go ahead and check out who directed Clint Eastwood, like Don Siegel, all these, like, genius people that he was able to study under. And then they kind of pick it up as they go along and learn about this stuff. And, you know, 10 years in, they're ready to sequence their own album properly. I, I yeah. was about to say that that means you love Bruised. Right. Well, I haven't seen Bruised. <laughs> I, haven't seen Bruised. I don't know. Bad. I'll rep for the harder they fall. That's, that's what I'll rep. I think um, a lot of people need to listen to their own music critically and just think to themselves, is this the best I can do? Um, would I listen to it? Um, what are other people actually going to think about it? Um, I don't think there's a lot of that going on. People just make shit and put it out there. Yeah, because th- there's no punishment for making whack shit. Um, no. you know, there, there's People either love it or they say it's cool or they don't really talk about it. There's, there's no real punishment anymore. So, you know, anybody at any level now can just pump out garbage and there's no real feedback. And because they see numbers going, that means they're, they think they're winning. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, I would like, when I was doing writing workshops uh, locally or whatever, helping people, they would show me the first draft of a poem, right? And I'd be like, tell me the strongest part and the weakest part of this. And they would highlight it. I would say, okay, the strongest part is now your bar. You got to cut out the weak stuff and everything's got to reach that bar now. So once you get to the second draft, it's like much better, right? Yeah. Um, And one of the things we talked about over the course of interviewing people, whether it's like Flash's Clayton or Def C or whoever, is that like editing is kind of everything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it's it's so much of a big deal that and and critically looking for what's the worst song, um, you know, ha- having us. I, I I was working I was working yes the other day and I sent Micah something and like he was just making fun of me how just how critical and uh, how critical I could be and how you know he thinks no not that he thinks he knows I do overthink sometimes. Um, but you know, for me, it's it's I have a big thing of quality control. You know, um, when making King Mighty Two, I not I knew what the best songs were, but I was also looking for okay, what's the worst song, and how can I fix that to make sure even the worst song could still kind of sit with the others. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, one of the things you you did was the the front end of that is so exciting right like i 
I told I think I think I might have told you that I bought a t-shirt by track three of the first yeah. list. Yeah. <laughs> that was ready. Um, it was in the cart. So, but that that intro is one of the most powerful things this year mm-hmm. uh, in how yep. it moves. And so that's like that's a great jumping off point and a great centerpiece for the album. I think so too. The the thing I liked about the King Mighty Two intro is it was so good that it it makes you happy about starting the album over again. It's like I want to hear that intro again. It's yeah, it's a perfect way to kick it off. And then the rest of the album kind of isn't exactly like that either. So it's kind of like you get bamboozled into this little intro and then you're stuck listening to the rest of it. It's cool. It is very cool. And, and so talk to me, uh, Timepiece, when you've done, when you've done uh, albums with people and you, and you start to understand, this is the centerpiece song. This is what this needs to grow out of. Yeah. Uh, yep. What is that process like? And, and do you and the artist come to it together or do you have to explain this is the, I think this is the centerpiece of your shit. I think pretty much I've been lucky enough so far, even though a lot of these albums haven't kind of come out yet. But um, so far, I think the um, I've been in agreement with everyone I've worked with upon which tracks are the strongest ones or the ones that that um, that represent the the project as a whole. So, yeah, I've been lucky in that sense. You just get a feeling about it. Yep. No, it's, it's, it's weird because even as a listener, you, you start to, uh, so full disclosure, by the time this comes out, everybody will know. Every year I pick, not just I do a list, yeah, the top albums, but I also kind of just say, this is my favorite of the albums this year. It may not be the best, but it's the one that's like, hits all the spots for me. And this mm-hmm. year, it was load, load-bearing crow's feet, Prem Rock. Um, and I just there was one of the songs, track eight, Friends by Willie Green. Um, and I was like, This is this is the belt that holds the pants up of this album Hmm. by track eight, huh? And um, it wasn't a it wasn't because I haven't heard it in full, but it wasn't a long album either 12 12 songs, but basically it has like back to back Messiah music songs 10 and 11, it has uh, two brain orchestra songs like two and five or three and five so there's bunches of different sounds Mm. and then seven is prairie prairie burn which he produced which is wild Mm. and then eight is willie green and just mean it's awesome Uh, and it's kind of pulls the whole these different parts together into a one uh thing and it's it's just really i don't know that's that's a real weird thing to identify and hard to explain Right, because you, you, you know, producing something like that, you know, that would make me nervous if, if like my anchor song is towards the end. <laughs> that that that's why the intro, like the first five songs for us, hit so hard because nobody really knows us. So you know, I want to be as aggressive as possible. Uh, but yeah, that that is that is interesting. I I think also a good point is that's kind of that's Dan's anchor song. Um, And I mean, for example, I had when the Prose Alley music album dropped, I remember um, 
Nick, Focus Hip Hop Nick, he reviewed it. He did a really good in-depth review and he said that his least favorite song was Cocaine Corral. And I've had I've had so many people say to me that's one of their favorites. Absolutely. So I think and other people as well. Like I remember my brother listened to the album and he was like, Yeah, I don't like that one song. So it's everyone's gonna have a different anchor song, I think. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, it's it's that that that, that pulled it together, but obviously death on the installment plan is like the clear that's the you know, small professor as Pete Rock kind of thing. Uh, it's great but uh but yeah there's there's is this when you get a feeling that like man i think this pulls it together but a great album you'll have multiple favorites and it'll switch over time yeah and that's really a testament to how how these sounds aren't alike right because for sure and it's why some of these albums we're still listening to some of these things like you know 20 15 20 years later right Yeah. yeah No, it's even you know Rizza and like as as many albums as he put out, like the songs were textured so differently mm-hmm. and came out so differently uh, that they don't feel samey at all to listen to. Yeah, uh, which is you know so uncommon. Yeah, especially with so many albums in that short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Right, if you if you compare it against Swizz Beats' early run with Rough Riders, I mean, it's some of those beats are very same. Yeah, uh, like say there are people who love Swizz Beats, there are people who don't. But I don't know that first Eve album is what 18, 20 tracks, all Swizz, mm. and it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Yeah, because I mean, you know, uh, like, for example, We Are the Streets, I think it was kind of similar in length, but I think that I think that was the first thing he ever fully produced, right? Um, that's a good question. That's a good question, because he did not produce all of It's Dark and Hell is Hot, right? There was Dame Grease uh, stuff. He only, he only got one on there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he's, yeah, so maybe that was it, but it was, it was exciting. Uh the, Mighty Healthy is the president of the Swiss Beats fan club. Listen, I, listen, they're, 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 he's one of those people I will defend to the ends of the earth. Beautiful. <laughs> he, he's like, he's, he makes songs that MCs sound great on. Yes. You know, uh, MCs sound great over Swizz, uh, whether it's Little Wayne from a few years ago, or, <laughs> you know. Uh, Buster Rhymes. Right. He sets people up. Yeah. But. I don't know about you know people that want depth in it, it's not there. Yeah, but that's what it is. Um, so oh, this is a good one. I think we should do that. What 2021 albums production shocked you the most on the first list? I'll let Tim mm. go first. No, you go first because I took some notes. I'm gonna have a look. Oh, but you're organized. Well, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when it comes to, uh, and you know, I, I think time will agree too, as it's really hard to impress other producers, mm-hmm. especially if we're kind of in the same field and you're like, Oh, I can do that too. But, um, my first pick, even though it came out last year, uh, it came out in December. So I don't think anybody talked about it until this year. 
I really, really, really love dueling experts too. Oh wow! Yeah, and like it, it was such a great album because you know my 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 thing because I I because that's my that was my first exposure to Lord B Jitsu, um, yep. and uh, you know I I I I'm always someone that always rails against like the term lo-fi, right? Yep. Um, mainly because to me it's just a catch-all term for I don't know how to mix well and all my shit sounds like elevator music, all that shit. Mm -hmm. But he found a way to make something like low fidelity, but aggressive as hell. And it was completely Wu-Tanged out without, because, you know, as producers starting out, you know, we like RZA, so we're all going to bite off of RZA. We're going to throw Kung Fu effects. We're going to, you know, yep. 92 BPM, one note bass. You know, mm -hmm. we, a lot of us have figured it out, but like he took it and found a way to make that his own. That's awesome. That's a great pick. The, that's the weird part about like mellow music is a lot of times the shit that doesn't get published hard is the best stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When they have their sales, you got to go hunting through the weird stuff because it's there's always some great great stuff in the background. And the only the only uh the only reason why I found out about it because I I knew about Rec. I, I didn't know I didn't I didn't know about Verbal Ken at the time. I mean, yep. now we got a project coming, but at the time I didn't really know him. And uh, oh, I, I thought I told you about that. Oh, never mind. I don't think so. Verbal's awesome. Verbal's so great. Yeah. Um, because they will come up in like my artist similar to for my yep. page. Yep. I'm just like, who are these guys? Like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> and then I was just like, yo, okay, no, this is this is serious. <laughs> He, Verbal Cat's been rapping, rapping for like a long time. Yes. A long time. So it's like, he's one of those like, uh, you know, those old samurai movies with like this, the wandering samurai comes into town, shreds the town, shakes <laughs> his head, goes to the next town, like Verbal Kent, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 I love those production choices so much that, um, you know, for, for our project, like I'm taking that, but making that mine. Right, right, right. It'll be cool to see. That's awesome. That is a great pick. I, I think, I think, um, I'm not really an album person. I'll, I'll hear a couple of tracks that I like. I'll listen to the. Oh, I think we froze up now. Oh, oh you got did yourself. He got he got linked up. We gotta <laughs> we pause this thing or what are we doing? Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll realize it. He'll uh, actually, realize it. He'll be back. He'll be back. The yeah, uh, but yeah, no, we, we can talk, I guess, until yeah, he comes back. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's I guess what I'm gonna say from my pick, we'll come back to his pick. Uh, well, hopefully he'll be back. <laughs> yeah. My pick is Haram. I think Haram was mischaracterized when it came out, right? Mm, because okay. of how important Alchemist is and how important Armand Hammer is, people were like, genius is being geniuses together. Yay, genius, right? And that's kind of how when you get really important, they're like, everything they do is important, right? It's, it's a masterpiece, right? Uh, but we forget that they're creators like everybody else right and they've never worked together 
So what I was really like floored by it because I was like, neither of these people have to do this. Right. Right. Al could totally give them one beat and be like, all right, man. And this was fresh off of the, 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 the Grammy now. Right. Fresh this off the of the Grammy. You would imagine a guy like that to do. You would think he would be like, you know, nuzzling up to Big Sean or, or like, try, you know, trying to like, you know, produce it. He's like, no, let's, let's do Armand Hammer and I'm going to make, I'm going to change my production style. And um, and they're going to start singing and changing what they do. And like, I was like, wow, this is what kind of like Watch the Throne. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about Watch the Throne was they were taking chances. Right? Dubstep, weird shit. They were like throwing it out there like, fuck it, you know? Yeah, um, like they had, they had RZA on there and it was the least sounding RZA beat ever. You know, this. Um, but to, to the Haram thing, Haram was my first exposure to Arm and Hammer. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I so just upon like the first time hearing it, I didn't get it at first. Um, because I was just like, okay, like you could tell it's more Al going into their world, um, rather than you know, Al doing Al and they try yep. to fit in. Um, but I don't I don't know. Something happened just like a couple weeks later, and then all of a sudden I loved it. Like first couple songs I just keep going back to I'm like this isn't what I'm really used to but I really like this now like yo what just happened here and to the point where uh it's been one of my played most played albums this year I yeah I mean I'm I am one of these really strange people where when you nail what you're trying to do I will get emotional about it I, I will be very excited for you right so like First time I heard Stone Fruit, Stone Fruit, I played it like three times in a row. And I was like teary-eyed. I was like so excited for them to have tried this hard. They don't need to, right? They're the vanguard of this underground scene. Uh, and they were like, we're putting it all on the line. We're doing weird new shit. Fuck it, you know? Uh, and I was so happy for them that they had led from the front, you know? Yeah, and I was especially happy because um, one one thing I've always liked about Al is that um, he he what he does is a very understated part of production, which is like the world building aspect. Yes, yes. Um, so you know, for example, those beats he's not gonna you know the beats that he gets for Haram and are not the same ones he's gonna get for Bo Jackson. You know, there's nothing on Bo Jackson that he would give to Action Bronson. Sure. You know. So it's just like he understands the like you might not even like every beat, but it's the overall world building aspect is what we like about him. Yeah, no, it's it's that was yeah. It, it, so I think Zilla Rocka, I was described uh, him as the Tim Duncan of yes hip hop production. Uh, that he's just he's just been solid his whole career. And the only thing people have been able to knock him for is not being sexy enough, right? Not, not having kind of big, sexy bangers. But other than that, he's kind of got everything else. Even though he has them, it's just, you know, the, the people he's working with aren't really looking for that. But if somebody asks for it, he could definitely do it. Right, right. No, it's, it's you know, 
he's not like, but it's different skill sets, right? He's not Timbaland and he's not going to try and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but his flavor is so good. It's so, you know, it's so his. Right. Um, it's, yeah. it's definitely something as, as a producer, um, I, I rip from him all the time. Like, <laughs> especially my, my post King Mighty 2 stuff that's not out yet. Um, I, I, I employ a lot of alchemist techniques, but the difference is I, you know, my drums are loud and my sample collection sucks compared to his. He got like a million records, you know, I'm, I'm working off yeah. YouTube. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, and that's, you know, it's interesting because like alchemist starts studying under monks, right? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, Cypress Hill 3, you know, and really getting, doing, getting a lot of production in on that, uh, Temples of Boom. And so there's still people who are like comparing the two of them and are like, Muggs is slept on, he's doing what Alchemist does. And to have those two still so active and so important uh, is fascinating. You ever, yeah. you ever played Tekken? Yes, I have played Tekken. So I always tell people, Muggs is bake and Alchemist is harangue. Oh shit! <laughs> like it. But uh, it's you know it, because there's so many big name producers who've kind of fallen off, right? Uh, who just don't make the level of quality that they used to, right? Uh, and so for those two to be able to stay as consistent as they've been has been something else. And and just also you know increasing the just the output, you know it's. It's, you you would have never imagined 10 20 years ago alchemist putting out seven albums a year or you know people people even putting out more than one like dmx was an anomaly at the time right right you know? yeah no that was i mean it's it and it goes back to the alchemist thing kind of connects with the fanon thing right of like i'm gonna work with the people that excite me to work with um so because that my game is better that way. right like i'm gonna give the best to people that i'm excited to give stuff to and that'll keep me active and keep me creative and the money will come later you know the once we have the product yeah and, and the, you know then the the benefit of working with different types of artists is that it, it feels like you unlock different parts of your brain like uh for you know like on there's King Mighty 2, but then for me and Ace's project, for example, I a lot of those, it's 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 I mean, you know, it's still me, but right. I, I wouldn't give Mike a lot of those beats. You know, so but it, it helped. Oh, did Tommy say something too? <laughs> He's trying to get back on. Um, I'm I'm trying. I'm, I'm like, you good, man? <laughs> anyway, uh, but no, it's it's you you switched it up from King Mighty One to King Mighty Two, and people appreciate it, right? Because people who heard King Mighty Two went back to King Mighty One and was like, "Oh, this shit is different. That's cool." You know, right. like um, it's a it's a different feeling, right? Knowing that like, oh, this person doesn't just do the same thing. They they switch it up, you know. One of the biggest things was that you know I'm, I haven't been around long, so 2020 was. Like King Mighty was the first album I've ever produced with somebody. Wow, there you go. So 
you know, I've 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 been at this since like 2018, but but yeah, that that's the first project I've ever produced with somebody. And so I was just limited to the skill set I had at the time. So King Mighty One was the okay, let me see what I can do. And whereas King Mighty Two was like, okay, like I I I get this a little bit. <laughs> well, and that's part of that's what maybe one of the hardest parts uh being creative is I think was I was listening to someone talk about this and I understood it that like because you learn from everything mm -hmm. you're always regretting your last project because you're always you always wish you knew what you knew now then um but you can't you can't have gotten where you've gotten without starting that and not doing it as well as you will do other things yeah i i, I put a tweet the other day uh, listen, I apologize to anybody that I've ever sent a beat to before 2020. This was yep. probably bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird. And for a lot of that, people would be like, man, don't put anything out. Don't put anything out until you're good and ready. But you'll never know you're good and ready until you've done yeah. something, right? Put your foot you're out there. You're going to be bad and unready for a long time. You just, you just <laughs> got to just get over with. <laughs> yeah, I don't... There's it's just rare to see someone like have hoarded these things for years, finally get to like a place of brilliance and then just be like classic. Boom. Here it is. Like, Never happens. Like, no. I, I, I just checked. I just checked the other day. Um, you know, just last week I played, I take, this is, it'll be my ninth project in three years. Yep. And so I know like the first two were, eh. And so it, but it took those first two for me to, for me to progress. Right. Yeah. And you had the, the beat tape this year that, that came out. The, there was, uh, yeah, those two, there was, uh, there was a quarantine three and, um, and just a couple weeks ago, I just put out, well, actually, no, last week it was a uh, 2021. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's just joints that I produced for other people for the year. Yep. It's a good deal. No, it, it, it was, yeah. So that's been it's been interesting, and um, yeah, I remember interviewing when we did the King Mighty uh, Two interview, and you we, we were like, you know, one thing to solve problems with hip hop production is just hire me, you just put me in, and I'll do what you know what you haven't been getting. Um, <laughs> it's it's been interesting because when you don't the so we the Griselda way. Right, the positives and negatives of the Griselda way. Um, the, one of the negatives is that after a while, you couldn't really pick your favorite song, right? Because they were like really friggin' similar. You know, you know I, I was I, just uh, talking to somebody else about this. I'm like. How would you feel if Pusha T came out with Daytona every three months? Yeah. Not great. But but it's just like, you know, every time they drop, you know, they they sell out vinyl, they do everything. It's, it's successful. So it's so it's just like they're not like, why would they change that? And you know, people keep consuming it. It's, it's really us, it's really us that are just like, eh. Well, and he has time because Push sits on his stuff. 
he's able to kind of add flourishes and themes that like differentiate the projects or whatever, right? Like uh, Darkest Before Dawn is very kind of stark and like, uh, you know, D Daytona is kind of a little bit more lush Scarface feel. Um, <laughs> and he gets to like theme it out and like there's stories of him like locked up with Kanye putting together playlists of stuff that he wanted it to sound like but like if you're cranking it out like that right then you're just like here's la machina too you know yeah and you know and, and on the production side um you know for example but one thing that that is a plus though with how they're doing it is that you know they're bringing in other people it's not they're not holding derringer hostage right 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 <laughs> you know uh, cause you can't have one person doing all that. Like that's, that, that's overkill. So it's at least what's at least refreshing. What they're trying to do is at least bring in other people, even if they're just bringing them to do their sound. Oh. Um, in, instead of just relying on just Alan Derringer. Cause. Yeah, no, it's, it's weird. And I'm, I was, yeah, I mean, there's got Big Ghost Limited comes to mind as like a really important part of of that kind of click and the that kind of scene. Mm. But Big like Big Ghost Limited doesn't believe in like high tempo stuff at all. He's kind of like philosophically a little like Apollo Brown. Yeah, he's like a dirtier Apollo it's Brown. It's mid tempo to the death you know the guitar straight you know before i was producing people would think i was a big ghost like because <laughs> wow. i was also a big ghost fan you know i always had an opinion yep. on things i used to blog a little bit and you know i was always i was always talking about his blog and stuff they're like yo you're a little too excited about this like is that you like is that you talk about drake like that <laughs> big ghost limited uh drake review for like uh care well take care that's that goes down in the hall of fame uh of insane reviews you just can't you can't top it um it's you'll be offended the first like seven paragraphs but after that you'll just fall into like how does anyone have this in their brain space like how is anyone materializing this into the world uh, it becomes a magical journey. <laughs> was, uh, that was a hilarious time. It was wild. And the blogs were wild. Uh, yeah, I was just talking to uh, to Sun Raw online. He brought up Jim Jones. I was like, do you remember when two dope boys used to put up pig pen pictures from Peanuts whenever it was a Jim Jones song? Like, <laughs> Dudes were just vicious. They were just fucking vicious. Oh boy! But you know, but 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 that that adds on to that that earlier point before, um, you know, the 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 lack of feedback. Like yeah. nobody really shits on albums anymore. <laughs> so no, no, it's fair. So that that visceral reaction doesn't exist anymore. So people are just like, okay, well, I'll just put out this and people either like it or just won't talk about it there's no visceral reaction anymore well yeah and i think 
for me as a as a, as someone who does review stuff regularly there was an impasse right where you were like first like so the first the kind of review i don't understand the most is the middling review okay break that down if it was okay why the fuck would i want to read about that oh yeah yeah you know what i mean if i if it was okay if it's a six out of ten i don't want to read that <laughs> why do i want to read about that it's okay it's got good parts it's got bad parts so yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're in the area get out of here <laughs> get out of here with that nonsense but like when it's really bad sure but you get to a point where you're like the people making really bad music that are like rich right you're spending all these time on these words dudes and you're like this sucks and there's better stuff in there. well write about the better stuff like yeah that that's the part that was missing yeah so like there's so many artists killing it in different fashions that like i'm chasing the dope shit and i'm just trying not to worry about it uh but like and it is a point where you're like we'll just let the silence be the deadliest critic right that that that's always the funniest to witness oh you my know, god something people were anticipating and you know i'll i'll, I'll bring it up off air but you know third projects come up and just no one is talking about it nobody big rollouts big singles guest stars videos that shit drops and it's in a week no one cares at all well, just, even after opening day it's just silence <laughs> at all and the only time we remember it is when it gets a grammy nomination we're like oh we got grammy nomination i don't remember oh yeah, yeah i remember yeah i forgot about it while i was listening to it <laughs> <laughs> it's weird it's because you can that's what another weird thing about today is you can do numbers but they can be fake numbers oh yeah easily yeah like um yeah i you know i, I my ad guys talk about it all the time it's you could, you could do that i don't really care who goes platinum anymore because platinum doesn't mean anything it's just nuts um the definition of it has been tweaked uh so many times that it's just it's it's just social proof at this point and yeah, so the biggest people are doing pennies on the, you know, pennies of pennies per stream. And their record labels is recouping a lot of this stuff, right? 360 deals and all that. Um, so you'll, sometimes you'll look up the net worth of someone who's a superstar. And it's not bigger than the net worth of someone who's a washed artist. Like, yeah. Like, oh, that guy's washed, but he's worth triple that biggest guy in the world. Like, you know. Yeah, it's, just, it's all social proof. You know, even, uh, you know, today, you know, you put out, we put out, you know, the we rushed to put out the, the, the Spotify for artists thing to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I'm always proud to show my numbers because they improve, but at, at the end of the day, it's all just, it, you're just showing people your customer acquisition skills. Right, right. You know, it's, 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 it's not everything, it's important, but you know, if you're someone who doesn't do numbers like that, it's fine too. Like it's, it really doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. I was talking with the, 
I was talking to somebody about this, Doug Mozilla Rock, just basically that like even bad numbers are good numbers because you can build on them. Yeah. You know, if only five people fuck with you, that's fine. Just make it seven, right? Yeah. And then make it nine, and then just try and keep pushing. Like, you know, don't worry about it uh, because you can get in your head about that shit and be like, why haven't I blown by now? You know, because yeah, because you weren't about blowing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's 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 rugged. But it, it, there's a lot of uh, here. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Is, is Talk about some stuff. Uh, who was who was the most ripped off, emulated? If you were being nice, producer this year. <laughs> it, it's it's always a you know the, these past two two three years. It's always a whoa okay. Because it, it, it gets layered because I was going to say Derringer, but Derringer works a lot with Beat Butcher and Beat Butcher has sample packs that other people use. So I would say Darren, I would say Beat Butcher also because everybody now, they all have, uh, I, you know, I, I call it the, the sad piano music. The, the, yep, the, yep. That it just, it just sounds like it's in an underwater vinyl, you know, it's all wobbly and shit like that. Yep. Um, yeah, it's 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 between that trifecta that that mugs, alchemist, derringer. <laughs> I was uh, I always call that stuff like haunted house music. <laughs> yes. I guess that's you would put that on at a haunted house and be like, oh shit, what's going on? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it. And every producer is gonna go through that phase, you know, like. I started out making fake RZA beats. You know, I, I'm sure time could tell you what he started out doing. Um, but it, you have to be deliberate in wanting to grow out of that. Yep. No, it's, it's, I would, I don't know why, but I'm going to say my, my pick is Messiah Music. Mm, okay. Messiah Music makes this kind of dark, very dark, very noirish kind of music, but it's very ornate. It's very beautiful, very yeah. pretty. And so it doesn't ever fall into the the Derringer beat butcher trap of like, you know, uh, because there's just there's still a lot of pretty stuff in it, and he's still able to flip it into different ways. And I feel like a lot of people want that, right? Because the dark stuff is kind of your ticket in the underground, mm -hmm. right? Like making it very dark and sinister. Um, but the, the prettier you can make it around that, the more lush the darkness is, uh, the more people will be able to re-listen. Uh, well, the, the thing is with that is, um, I, I would think of him as someone that, that would be harder to emulate because there are people that just don't have that skill to do that. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I'd be, I'd argue to say that somebody, you know, like a Derringer, just because there's, there's more tools in it to be able to do that. Um, to, I would say they're easier to rip off than, than Messiah. Um, but I, I could definitely see that as well. He's just been so successful over the years, and he's, he's also criminally humble. Like Messiah music, 
he's just never he's never doing the all caps West Side Gun like post about how great and influential he is. He's always just chilling in the back, working more. And um, you know that that Def C project was awesome. Uh, that was also my first exposure to Def C. Also, yeah, uh, and and you know it was it was awesome. So, so it's a no, good it's a good fourth quarter win he's he's been everywhere and yeah they just and that's kind of the backwoods thing is they have willie green who's like mixing and mastering everything you know he's just everywhere with that and they have this whole the whole set of you know producers when you're talking about you know fanon messiah music you know all the people that they usually deal with and oh timepiece oh tempo's here you know i'll call him tempo Tempo! Yeah, yeah, tempo! <laughs> Where you at, Mank? So, yeah, we were, we were talking about the most emulated producers in 2021. Uh, oh, what was... Did we get your pick on the last one? What was your pick on the last one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go through those. Uh, I'm back. Thank you for being back and fighting through it. My um, internet completely died. <laughs> fun fact here's a fun fact for you australia has australia has slower internet than kazakhstan wow yeah that's for real we we have like the 63rd slowest internet in the world oh man sorry about yep. that it's okay that is rough no silicon valley in perth the uh i was gonna say so so we talked about an album in 2021 that surprised you the most first listen. Mm -hmm. What would you say? I would say, um, I don't know about surprise, but I, every time I hear a Rock Marciano album, I, there's always tracks on there where I'm just like, why would someone even rap on this? But he makes it sound good. Um, so there are a couple of tracks like that on Mount Marcy that I just thought were incredible. I, yeah, like what stood out to me was, was it Broadway Billy? That's the exact song I was thinking of. With, with Cool Keith opens doing some weird old timey voice. Mm -hmm. Just insane. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. that's one of my tracks of the year. Just because it's so out there and different. Just two it's artists hard. who don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks or mm -hmm. just do whatever they want. So Yep. Yep. I, I I really love COVID cough with a uh, schoolboy Q. Yep. Because again, like that that's also another weird beat. Like no one would even think of doing that. And then you know you have Q coming into that world, which actually makes a lot of sense because you know he would work with alchemists and people like that. So we we like to see Q in that world more. Um, and I and, you know also rocks versus hilarious also. So. Yep. Yeah, and that's one of the hard parts when people are like talking about all time rappers. Like, it's hard for me to place LP as a rapper because of how important he is as a producer. Right. And I always think of him as a producer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I'm, I'm never thinking about his lyrical legacy because I'm all, there, you know, it's hard to differentiate. So I think I'm going to run into that with Rock Marciano as well because of how inventive he's been. Yeah. Face. 
there was one song on Rosebud's Revenge 2. I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. but where his vocals were mixed way behind the sample. Yeah. I know. There were a few songs on there like that, but the one that stood out to me again that I thought was hilarious and the sample was weird and crazy was that one. Uh, what was it called? Gun, Gun Sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. This, I, when, it, when I think of Rosebud, the first thing I think of was the Bed Spring King and just like the spring sample was so loud. Yeah. <laughs> was like, why did he do that? But it only, yeah. only he could get away with that. But at the same time, he, he's dictating everything that's out there in yeah. a sense. Um, and I mean, Reloaded, in my opinion, is the blueprint to everything that's going on right now. It's 100%. 100%. Good point. No, he's got a... Yeah, and I think that's why when people started talking about Griselda did this, Griselda did that, I was still sitting there like, what about Rock and Ka, though? Like, mm-hmm. what about, like, they Rock and Ka did this? Like, mm. um, I Rock. remember Griselda videos where Rock and Ka albums would be strewn on the table in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even even with even during that run, you had you had Al Alchemist's kind of first run, where yep. it was it was Action Bronson, it was it was Russian Roulette, which like that was life changing for me. Um, uh, there was that yeah, Covert Coop. You had like his first initial run that that was within that time also. Nope, Covert mm-hmm. Coop, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that is a that's a great pick. We also my my pick was Haram. Just because I I was basically the the short summation was that group think is always when two geniuses get together that they're gonna like genius it up right this is like automatically a win but these were two groups that had never worked together and they tried it out and it was like a daring experiment and mm-hmm. so people were like is this the best arm on hammer like of course not. <laughs> but it's it's a hell of an experiment. It's an incredible it thing. Is. Yeah, that's a cool way of looking at it. And I think I should have approached it like that because I I like both of their work separately. But when it came together, I thought it was going to be amazing. And my first few listens, I wasn't completely feeling it. So yeah. I think I need to I need to revisit it with a different frame of mind. And I think your frame of mind is probably the best way to approach it. Yeah, my yeah. my comparison was Watch the Throne. That it was like that kind of madcap experiment um, mm-hmm. by people who didn't need to be doing that. So, mm. yep. yep, I hear. And so now we're talking about uh, the most ripped off or emulated producer this year. Uh, that's uh, take your pick. It's either Derringer, Alchemist. Derringer hasn't been that busy, I guess. So it's got to be Alchemist or. Yeah, yeah I don't he, know. He, he popped up on uh like I know he popped up on evidence, but I love Derringer on non-Griselda projects. Yep. Like oh wow that, that that little you know because he doesn't step outside there often. Like obviously, you know, we know him for the Griselda stuff and it's solid, but like that, like the evidence joint was super good. Um the, the action Bronson dropped this year, last year, but he had a couple joints in there, but like none of those he would ever give to, to any of those guys. Mm. Yep. No, it's, it's, and, and, you know, it's just, it's been a lot of work for, for 
I don't want to make it sound like I don't like his production. I think like Fly God is, is an amazing album. It's like an all-time album. Mm-hmm. Um, and his production's unbelievable on that. It's just, you know, it's a lot. And it, but, but my pick was Messiah Music. I think quietly people have started to try for like a more ornate dark sound. Uh, and Messiah Music is so good at that. Um, and so naturally moody in an interesting way. Because yeah. I think a lot of people found out they were doing moody music, but no one wanted the mood. Like no one mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you um you put me onto Messiah. I'd seen the name before, and then once you you mentioned that you were messing with his sound a lot, and I went and checked a bunch of his stuff, and I can see what you mean. He kind of approaches what everyone's doing in a completely different way. It's it's really cool. Yeah, and you know the he can nail a beat switch. He could he could try different different textures and 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 different. Um, yeah, because the 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 Depsy the Trapdoor that was the first project I've ever heard of him fully produce. So like that that was a good. I'm like oh like I always knew he was real good, but like oh wow this is this is like really good. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's been that guy who's got like two or three songs on everybody's album on every important album in the underground for like yeah. you know t- ten years, um, yep. and so now he's kind of getting full projects and people are starting to be like, damn, side music. Um, but he's always been at a high level. Um, but yeah, it, it's, we're talking about how people are challenging themselves in the underground much better than they have been in the past. Yeah. Which leads to an important question about how boring pop music is comparatively. Um, yeah. I mean, anything's going to, the more it becomes the same, the the more watered down and just generic it ends up sounding. So I think it's there's definitely, I mean, there's only so many ways of reinventing the wheel, but I feel like everyone can push harder in 2022 and try and, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'll hear a song that I like and try and figure out how they did what they did in it and then incorporate a piece of that into my work. But shit, it's, yeah, man, people need to get off the bandwagon. I think. I I I remember because this remember I think the original question was, uh, what's worse, a generic trap beat or a generic boom bad beat? Okay. Well, it was, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm a little bit contrarian. Yeah, generic. Yeah, pop I'm a little bit contrarian versus boring rap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will take the boring pop rap beat any day of the week. Love it. I love this because my 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 reasoning for that is that just okay, my where I consume music, I'm either in the gym or when it comes to discovery, I'm either looking for music at work so I could stay awake. Um the thing is a lot of just like what you we talked about earlier, um, a lot of a lot of what's coming out in the underground is mid-tempo like it's 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 not like elevator lo-fi garbage but it's not like gym stuff either um right whereas you know the generic trap beat can at least get me through a set <laughs> you know um uh you know uh even though for example to me like donda was like a complete 
disorganized, unfinished. But sure. to me, there were some brilliant moments on there that I'm like, okay, I, I, I could at least work out to this. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like a bad, but like a bad underground rap album, like I, I have nowhere to play this. Oh, it has no functional use. Yeah, because because like you know, it can't. I, I can't do the headphone thing because I want to stay awake. But I can't play this in the car because it doesn't hit in the car. It doesn't hit in the gym because I I got pretty good headphones. It's like I, I I need certain things, and yeah. a lot of them don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, we, you're good. I also think there's nothing wrong with something. I've always tried to strive to um to mix things above average, like the underground stuff. Um, I mean, it doesn't. It's fucking hip hop. It doesn't have to be perfect, but at the same time, I don't think it all has to sound like total shit. Um, that's why I've always liked the sound of um, Jake One's production because it, it's got an underground feel to it, and he still uses you know his old samplers and stuff, but it's mixed really clean and big, um, and it sounds grandiose. And he'll go ahead. He'll work with dudes like MF Doom or whoever. But then, you know, he'll work with Rick Ross or whatever and make these big records for those guys. So I really, I like approaching it like that, like getting the best of both worlds and trying to, yeah, have a big, big clean sound, but with with dirty elements to it. Jake One has like stuff I can play around my kid, like Tuxedo. Yep. tuxedo stuff like he's mm-hmm. he's covering he's covering different markets and yeah transporting his sound so yeah i've got a lot of respect for him i've been following him since damn since like the mid to late 90s i used to listen to his mixtapes um he used to do these mixtapes under the name the con men with him and um him and supreme and it was just them um djing breaks and samples and those were dope and that's how i first found out about him awesome but but you know but but that that's the cool thing about a guy like jake one like you know he just has the the, i guess the dexterity he could he could have a song with doom and he could have a song with drake he could you know and, and 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 you know it's it's it still brings that I don't know. It's, it's it's just it's it's hard enough. Like you know, like and a lot of a lot of underground guys are just not capable of doing that. Yep, yep. Mm. No, it, it's uh, yeah. We, time piece. We were talking about it as like the dare the post Derringer wave as mm-hmm. like haunted house music, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think oh. haunted house music kind of starts with cloud rap a little bit. Like that's yeah. the first iteration of haunted house music is this kind yeah. of you know uh, spooky you know ambiance driven this is like oh it's yeah. all ambiance yeah yeah uh, an exploration of open space yeah. uh, but it doesn't hit as you're saying it's not grounded in yeah I another thing that I notice that no one does anymore and um. I think it comes down to sample choice and how you use your samples and all that sort of thing. But there's not much melody in underground rap anymore. It's all just noises or, I mean, there's people out there, you know, using soul loops and stuff, but I mean, it could be, yeah, I don't know. Like people need to delve into other genres and yeah, I don't know. Get, get a bit melodic with it again. Well, well, I mean, you know, we know why. You know, they, yep. they just use the same fucking three YouTube channels. 
to snack yeah. from. <laughs> like, of course, everybody's just going to keep, they keep going out of the same stuff, but yeah. it's, like, it's a race to see who can use it first. <laughs> but yeah, it was so, I, I think the, well, I, I'm going to go ahead and pick the boring underground beat. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my, my figure because the problem that the pop, uh, that pop has is that since they need the money, whatever is working has to be redone, right? So little baby hits, there has to be a bunch of people that sound like little baby. And so some of these albums, when you hear them, you're just like, I I can hear the people in the background who were like, get Young Thug on this song. You know, I can just hear the people. I'm just like, oh, I can't fucking stand this. (laughs) I'd rather have the vision, the full vision of somebody who isn't there yet than this kind of muddled mess. Uh, it's, it's weird. The pop space is too scared to be inventive. It, it feels like movies versus TV, right? Like yeah. movies suck now. They're, they're a, a pretty formulaic because they can't gamble. They can't gamble. TV shows, FX, they can gamble. Their audience is ready for it. So that's the underground versus the, the, you know, the pop scene to me. Okay. I, I think they, they both steal from each other as well, quite heavily, um, which has always been interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's going to be, you know, a Rihanna song or something eventually that will have those Griselda xylophone sounds in it. <laughs> I mean, if there hasn't already everything it's funny when shit like that trickles out of the underground into the pop stuff and you're just like oh there it is finally it happened this this is a a major artist is going to sample west like you know how like dilla would have like mop ad-libs and stuff a major artist is going to sample west side gun ad-libs in five Mm -hmm. like in like three to five years that'll be great like adele or somebody (laughs) Look yeah. forward to it. Yep, we'll look forward to it. But the, the there are some waves of interesting stuff like that are, and I don't even know if they're if they're underground or pop, right? Um because like the UK, the UK has a lot of cool shit going on. Um uh, they've had a it's been a great year uh for that movie. You talk about Little Sims and Dave and just these really interesting albums coming out of the UK. Uh, a lot of them tied to like Nigerian, you know, music that has become entrenched in uh, in the UK. And I, I'll be honest, I think it's more likely that there's a Rihanna album that sounds like a Little Sims album. Yeah, because yeah. if she does that, how many people are going to even know she ripped it off? Right. Yeah. Yep. Hundred percent. As always, you're on the money, Dan. Yes. Sitting on it. But it's it's but yeah, <laughs> regions are what are helping us, right? Chicago came back this year in a big way. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I love because Chicago has a bounce that will not cease, right? Yeah. Like Chicago music doesn't sit there, right? Kansas music doesn't sit there. You know, there was a MC Longshot and Laserbeat just dropped an album mm-hmm. called Spread Love. And it's crazy danceable. Like I was playing it around my kid, like he was loving it. It's there's there's certain regions of the country that don't give a shit about this kind of haunted house stuff. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think um, one thing I've also noticed towards the end of this year is people are getting sick of the slow stuff. Um, and even me, myself, like I've been upping the BPMs on everything. Um, yeah, all the new stuff I'm working on is, yeah, I, I want to keep going higher as well. See, see who can rap on some Big Daddy Kane level kind of tempo. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. you can do some interesting stuff with faster tempos. So let's take it there. Yeah. And oh boy. Yeah. That, listen, for me, Ace's project, I've banned 82 BPM. Like it's, it's been. <laughs> You know, it's none of that. It's either I'll do 82 and a half before, before it's just, there's no 82. All you guys do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I've now set my, I've set my software. Ableton, whenever I open it now, I've got a template set up that's automatically set to 88. So that's, <laughs> that's where I begin. That's where you started. No, yep. but it, there's always people yelling about drums now uh, yeah. with not enough or too much or, and what, why is everyone yelling at each other about drums and what have they become symbolic of? Uh, it's, it's very strange. Yeah. I think it's become, Oh, you go ahead. Oh yes. Oh, I, I love complaining about drums because <laughs> they don't know how to use them then. And they don't know how to use them and they don't know how to add because, okay. I have a real big problem with drumless beats that support that were supposed to have had drums in them. There's a difference between a drumless beat where drums would make them sound worse versus I've made this a drumless beat because I am not capable of adding drums to them. And that is all over the place where we're at. And it's just like, oh my God. Like, I got to listen to this again, and it's 72 B. Oh, no, I'm out of here, man. I'm out <laughs> Oh, God. Hey, 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 pull pop smoke on. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> I think the issue with drums, timepiece, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's that everyone kind of immediately thought they had to do it that way. Yeah. It was that way with short songs. Remember when songs became shorter, and it was like, now you must do short songs. Nothing yep. shall be five minutes. And you're like, why? Why are you all in lockstep all the time? Yeah. What is going on? It goes both ways, I think. Um, I mean, it's funny. I find it hilarious that people will complain about this whole wave of loops with no drums. If you listen back, people have been doing that shit for years. Like, right. I mean, one of my favourite songs back in the day, um, it was on a soundtrack. I forget which one. Might have been on Friday. There's that Cypress Hill song, Scooby-Doo. And it's just a bass line and a little mugs noise. And there's no drums on that at all. And I always thought that was dope. It's just this atmospheric kind of thing. And, and there's been songs throughout, you know, like all those old Grand Poobah songs. He's just rapping on a soul loop, whatever. It's nothing new. But, um, yeah, maybe it's the sudden saturation of it. Who knows? Um, but, but remember, it's, it's also because... Um, these guys were also very capable. Like these guys at the time, you, you could play some of the joints and, you know, outside in parties and stuff. Um, yeah. Whereas in the drumless loop was the anomaly, you know, but, and, you know, for example, 36 chambers, cream probably would have sounded worse if there was drums on them. 
Like there's, mm. there's a certain, there's yep. certain loops that you're like, okay, this, and, and, and I think there was, I think RZA even added bass on, on cream too. So e- even if it was a drumless beat, like it still sounded full. Yep. And that's the problem now. A lot of guys, they make beats that are unfinished because they don't know how to finish them. And that's the yeah. difference. I, I think the whole loop wave was kind of, um, it was a gateway for a lot of people that can't actually produce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's easy. You can just jump on YouTube, find a loop, loop it up and you're done. Go to get the, your bozo, get your bozo homeboy to, to rhyme on it. Yeah, you go, call go it a day. Beat, 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 and beat, beat YouTube channels, and just find like the twelve popular things, and just run with that. Get MC Wink and Dink to rap on it for thirty-two bars. You know, <laughs> call it, call it motherfucking vinyl ring two thousand, and then boom, you, you, you're done. You, you get a, you, you, you'll be shipping vinyl out of Lithuania in no time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean the the experience I had with that was like. I went on this YouTube deep dive of NASA Peel's Rhythm Roulette. Have, have you seen it? Yet? Yes. Yeah. And it was amazing because I'd be like, oh, I love this producer. And they'd be like, so I looped it and I go, boop, 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 boop. And then we're done. And I'm like, oh shit, really? You're like, Kenny Beats was the best. Kenny Beats was like, hey, so I get a big fun thing. And then I put a weird thing behind it, you know? So it's like a big fun song and there's it, a big fun loop thing. And then I got a spring behind it. Like, wee, wee. Now we're done. <laughs> there's a weird element and there's the fun stuff and we're done. Right. And it's like all of them are like that. And it's, that's just what I do. Um, and I was like, okay, you know? Um, did you ever see the Knots episode? Yes, yes, I did. And like he's just he's just peeling them off, just like oh, like he's just that that it's between that and the large professor. Those are probably my two favorite episodes. Large professor. No, it was they were they were it was it's a great series because it was like I became convinced that there were only two kinds of producers. There was the producers who would step into the frame in like chinchilla, you know, with gold chains. And they were the ones who step in and they were bloodshot eyes and they hadn't shaved in weeks. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, what? Okay, fine. I'll find the loop. Um, <laughs> oh, there was, there was also, speaking of it, there was also the 45 King episode. Right. Where he, one day he just took the vinyl and snapped it and dry, like, boom. Okay, I sampled that because it was horrible. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, that was gold. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Static Selector, who looks like he's never slept a day in his life. Oh no! <laughs> I think um, I think I've always been a firm believer in the fact that sample selection becomes your sound, and so if you are sampling the same thing as everyone else, like Mighty Healthy was saying, of two yeah. or three YouTube channels, you do run the risk of sounding like everyone else. Um, which is why guys like Muggs, when they first dropped, sounded like no one else because Muggs was sampling, you know, psychedelic records, blues records, all the stuff no one else in the scene was touching. And that's what gave him, that was a huge part of his sound. Um, same with Black Sheep. Black Sheep was sampling from a whole bunch of different genres. Um, 
yeah so if you can if you can not be lazy and and get into some sound discovery you can yeah essentially create your own brand via what you sample i guess yeah and and but that's the problem right you know a lot of these guys don't listen to anything beyond their immediate influences um you know like like for example when i when i when when timepiece sends me stuff i could tell he's well-rounded in his tastes because i'm like okay like the, the there's a certain records that not anybody like you have to be into this you have to be into other things to pick what he picks um you know, for me, like I, I like a lot of I like a lot of just 70s African and Asian jazz and, and 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 rock music. So that that's usually stuff where I pull from, but I'm not pulling things off of those three same channels. You know, the a lot of the King Mighty stuff. Oh, read a phone. Let's go. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you know. It and and the thing is. But, but there, the, what does happen sometimes is that people, when they make a certain type of sampling, their personality, uh, eventually that well drives up because they stop the discovery. Yep. So it's just like you, you like that, that hunting should not end. Right. I mean, no. Timberland, Timberland's a really good um, example of that, I think. He created his own sound with all those wild um, Asian and Indian and all those sounds that he was bringing and um yeah i don't know what happened to him yeah i yeah. mean yeah yeah dirt dirt off my shoulders is probably my favorite one of my favorite beats ever yep is because it was just so dirty and yep and you know it was the it was some real super you know it's jay-z that's as mainstream as it gets mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean it was you would be listening to a banger of a Timbaland beat and you would be like behind the waves of bass. I feel like there's the sounds of someone walking through a swamp, slapping a bat or something like, yeah. yep. like squishy, weird. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it takes crazy. you, it takes you to a different place. Um, and I think that's, that's what's missing now. I had someone shout out to Wolfogram, um, the homie, the homie in Canada. He said to me, um, I'm sick of everything sounding like Italian wedding music from the 60s. <laughs> That's what it is. It's is that, you know, Amazing. you know, they'll, they'll, they'll throw in Godfather clips and all that garbage that we've all heard a million times. It's like, come on, man. Like, this just sounds like a sad Italian movie. <laughs> But I was playing in the car. I loaded a bunch of Aaliyah in the car and I was playing, are you that somebody? And I was so, I was like a proud father. I would point to the speaker and I'd look at my wife and be like, crying baby's coming. Crying yeah. baby. <laughs> I was so proud of the crying baby. Like yeah. it was such like a badge of honor for my generation. We had the crying baby beat. The baby yep. cried the whole fucking beat. It was on the yeah. radio didn't make any sense man i was in i was in the usa when that song dropped and you could not turn on the radio in the car without hearing that song every 20 minutes and yeah that was that was a whole new experience for me um yeah that song was huge if if you um you know um i actually bought uh when it was i actually bought his master class when i was first getting started and 
Um, one one thing that I've learned from him that I that I like to do that I like to take from is that what he was saying was he makes it a point to fill the beat with space, which is he just he just his priority is to just fill it up with sounds even before he gets any like real chord progression, um, and that that's just so important, you know, because nowadays you know a lot of guys it's sample drums bass. No right. real processing, no real anything. You're not bending the sound here. You're not processing the drums to make this. This is, and, and and you know that just sounds weak and tiring. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any right or wrong way of doing it because simple stuff is good. But yeah, it's just it's there's so many. I don't know. Yeah, you can't get away with that forever. Basically, no. but I think you're right. I mean, there's a there's an element of like signature sound right and you create a signature sound by really excavating the weird shit that you're into uh and like so i i got a chance to talk to the guy i was thinking about was andrew this guy named andrew on the cold rhymes darko the supers label yeah. uh yeah. he's he's put out a great record called pop 1967 and he like a lot of people quarantine happened and he learned how to produce right and so he crash coursed it and just did it. And luckily he's friends with iLive, who's great. And iLive was able to help him out <clears throat> as to what was good, what was not good. But he put this, this album that sounds like nothing else. And he produced, and I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, this sounds like nothing. And he was like, so shit, I was listening. And he's like a crazy mm -hmm. hip hop head, but he's listening to Elliot Smith and just all these different disparate influences so that mixture that concoction is just his own that's his own special drink you know yep. um and so i was like when did you realize it was so different than everything else I'm like way late way late in the game yeah and you know, as as producers i feel we have a responsibility to show our personality in our music because we don't we don't rap or sing so you know that that element is very important that that's how you set yourself apart as a person like i you know that that's why i'm choosing to listen to this person over that person because they do this particular thing that i can only get from them and you know that that just takes time and practice yeah one thing i got to give a shout out to you just talking the last couple of minutes have just reminded me of this album and dan you might know about this guy um a kid called unsung oh yeah unsung the rap yep. Yep. yep so he put out an album last year called sup bub oh okay. do you remember that i remember um, yeah and that just came up in my recommended things to listen to i think i was doing the dishes or something mundane i ended up listening to the whole album because it was so wacky and out there and i couldn't figure out what was going on and by the end of it, I loved it, and I had to listen to it again straight away. I know Blood Money's on there, and Iceberg, and those guys. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I I reached out to the guy straight away and just said, "Man, I fucking love this album. There's nothing out there like it right now." So congratulations. Um, yeah, I think more. Even though it came out last year, I think more people should hear that album. Definitely, and and I want to shout out. Like when you talk about creating a signature sound, like you were saying, Mighty Healthy, it's where and it's a tricky thing because you were like uh, in the in the rock world, 
I would say, like, I remember I was washing dishes, uh, those job washing dishes, and the head chef was the, was the guy who would be in control of the music, right? And he'd be like, all right, you're going to guess who this is when it come when I press play, right? And I knew two seconds in that it was Primus, right? Primus has a sound that is Primus. It doesn't mean all the songs sound the same, but it means within the first five seconds, I know who I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the way it is with a mighty healthy beat. And that's the way it is with an Ed Glorious beat. I wanted to give Ed Glorious some props. Um, he worked with Sleep Sinatra this year. He worked with Keller Banks this year. And I know an Ed Glorious beat now the minute it comes on. And I look forward to it. Uh, it's hard to do. It's hard yeah. to make your name up. Yeah, that's it's because you have to be deliberate about it. Right. You know, it, it's 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 something you have to decide, like, okay. I'm trying to be myself now. <laughs> and it can, take, it can take some people years and years to figure out what they're doing and how to sound like them. Definitely. I mean, I've been producing since about 1996 and I only actually started putting stuff out there into the world maybe 2015 um, because I, I wasn't happy with it, didn't know, I was unsure, I didn't like the way it sounded. So I think it can really, I, don't, I mean, a lot of these young dudes out there doing what they do, they do it well, but I'm really interested to see what they're doing in 10 years' time. I, I, can't, I can't agree with you more. I think... Like uh, guys like Ed, Ed's going to be killing it in 10 years. He's killing it now, but imagine what he's going to be doing in 10, 15 years. Totally. I mean, it's, you know, there's a certain amount of like... I mean, yeah, craft. You guys have talked about craft, lack thereof, or whatever. But there's there's also a matter of discipline and control. Like mm-hmm. over, we, I remember hearing, I was listening to a Ray Romano interview podcast because I didn't have anything to do, and <laughs> he was talking about. I've written some jokes that are fucking funny, but it's not a Ray Romano joke. Mm. So I put it away, and I was like, man, that takes a lot of control. Mm. like nail it but be like nope this doesn't fit yeah um and that's i've got a whole hard drive full of those beats (laughs) (laughs) but that's like a signature sound if you have a signature sound you then have to be you have to curate it you have to upkeep that thing it's a Mm. greenhouse you know of your also i think you 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 reach a point where that sound is what comes out of you naturally and right. if it's not coming, if it's not coming out, there's part of your brain that says, "Hang on a minute, something's wrong here." Yeah, like it, it, yeah, it's 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 definitely like a balancing act because on one hand, you want to expand your skill set, you want to try different things, but at the same time, you know that there, there's a certain standard that people are looking for. There's a certain bread. I mean, at the end of the day, you should do whatever you like, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely the balancing act. Mighty Healthy sent me a beat yesterday, and I listened to it and went, "That's pretty cool." And he said, "No, it isn't. That's not me. I wouldn't make a beat like that." So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because like I'll experiment. Like you know, I'll I'll make a drill beat and then feel weird about it, even though I like it. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'll, I'll play around. You know, one one thing I 
one thing I've gotten into uh, since late last year, I'll take like a trap BPM, but then, you know, use like a regular drum break. Um, because one thing that I've learned and one thing that somebody like Alchemist, for example, is really good at, he understands that it's all the same. Right. There's really only like a 10, 15 BPM difference between trap and regular Bukum's territory. So once you understand, it's, it's, it's very easy to blend and make something that like somebody like a Boldy could sound comfortable on or right. somebody like a Benny could sound comfortable on, yeah. you know, and- Alchemist has mastered that now. Yeah. And, and so like he, he understands those two worlds and he knows how to take both of them and just make it his. Like he's his own genre at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it comes, it comes down to like the people who are really are really super winning production wise are people who understand subtle variations and understand how to create subtle variations um, over time so that everything's textured really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that makes sense to me. Yep. And if you do look at all the people that win, um, yeah, it's exactly what you just said. They, um, they're the ones that get it, the, the subtle differences between things. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, we talked. So I wanted to get into recommendation quarter because yep. I've got a really cool, like, R&B soul disco album from Ghana that just got released through Bandcamp. It was from 1988. Uh, High Life Rock was this original album. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's uh, Wilson Botang. And this collection of songs is called Asu Watchman. A-S-E-W Watchman. It is really cool. There's Asu Watchman, uh, Mabragu, and then a bunch of remixes of Asu Watchman. And it was just fun as shit. Uh, fun as shit. Really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, that. Yeah, I just love that Bandcamp has these labels that are just digging for weird old records, throwing them up. Uh, being, yeah, yeah. you know, like, this thing it was on a label that was owned by the mob, but the mob burned it down for insurance, but they but they mm-hmm. salvaged it. It's a it's, I, I love that kind of stuff, yeah. So yeah, the other one I would recommend would be the new Link Loan album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the To Thine Own Self Be True. Is that what it is? Or I'm trying to play um, I can't remember the title, but yeah, he's been he's been. Is it dropped yet? It has dropped. It's a name your okay. own price situation. To Thine cool. Own Self Be True, and mm-hmm. Link Loan has great album covers. Shout out to him. Uh, mm-hmm. I love this album cover. It is it is very cool, um, and this is a he's a spitting man. He's spitting. It's it's. I'm old, so it's it's different. Some of the songs that are a minute long, I'm like, what more? Um, <laughs> it, I'm, I'm getting used to it. it. He he just he wraps his ass off, and it's fun to listen to. Yeah, uh, yeah. and he's got so many different albums doing different things. Yeah, always doing something, man. 
Yeah, we've nearly finished our album. He sent me all the vocals for it today. So I think he said he wants to drop it in December. So we'll see what happens. He, he, he worked. By the way, by the way, Dan, uh, Temple's mixing everything I'm doing from now on. Like I was, <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, oh, oh, that's what you mix in this. Okay. I think that's why my output has suffered a lot this year because I've just been mixing for so many other people so much. It's it's a good it's a good position to be in, but it's also eating into my time. Yeah. It's funny though. Who who's I talking? It was Josiah. He was like, oh yeah, um, I think we were talking about his project. And he's like, yeah, Tom. I'm like, yeah, I know, because he's doing this other thing for us. So it's like, wait, we're all just going through time. <laughs> yep. Timepiece, time mixing your shit if you don't know how to do it. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. I think um, it doesn't, uh, I mean, it helps that I did go to college and for four years and study mixing, but also, I've listened to music and rap since I was, you know, five, six years old. So I think that's kind of, that helps a lot as well. Yeah. Ooh, he had the Kumo D glasses, six years old. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait, I'll go get the chain. <laughs> the uh, Mighty Healthy, give me a recommendation for the people. What, what should they listen to? Oh, man. I've, I've been, as you know, my main focus has been um, me, me and Ace Can is his album. That's awesome. So I, I've been, you know, you know, every album I make playlists as to, you know, what I'm going for, what he's going for. Right. I don't have a particular recommendation, but I have been revisiting a lot of old Buster, a oh, lot wow. of new Buster too. Um, I, I, I had uh, ELE2 is my favorite album of last year, and I still play it a lot this year. Um, it's it's you know it's it's bus is a funny case because he's one like we don't know what his best album is no. he has he has the best moments on different albums but yep. this was this was the first album that i keep listening to in in like in order like i'm, I'm listening through this thing i mean of course yeah. there's, there's there's songs i skip but it's it's like his i hate the word cohesive but it, it's like his most complete like project because um, Extinction Level event was madness. The original, yeah. it was awesome, but it was madness. Yeah, and which is which is funny because it's like, I'm like that's a really that's a really funny album to do a sequel of because I don't go to I don't go to that one a lot. Like I usually, like I'm I'm usually on on when Disaster Strikes or Anarchy or or even Big Bang, but yeah, so. I would say that's my recommendation because I'm not telling people shit that I listen to that that I that that could make the sample and stuff like that. So y'all yeah. listen to that. Yeah, no reason, <laughs> no reason to do that. So uh, time piece, what do you got? Yeah. I even though it came out last year, it always takes me a long time to catch up with new releases, um, yeah. which is why I don't have a lot of new stuff to talk about. But um. Even though he's one of my homies, I've got to say, because I only just started getting into it in the last six months, is the um, the Quakers album on Stone's Throw. Right. The Quakers, Quakers 2. Ooh. Um, that album has some amazing tracks on it. And he always, he uses a lot of well-known rappers, but he'll use Nobodies as well. Um, 
and yeah just some of the beats on there are incredible and i feel like that album didn't get its props beautiful cover beautiful yep. cover. stone still is still doing interesting stuff they yeah just don't, people don't connect it to them like the koreatown oddity album that everybody loved yep. that was mm-hmm. on stone's throw and, and Mm-hmm. Like, I know that. All yeah. they do is R&B and it's like no man they, they, they still do some interesting stuff so yep uh, um, yeah that, that that album has a lot of replay value for me there's some rappers I'd never heard of on there um, that I look out for now and some of the rappers like I've looked these guys up thinking man I gotta reach out to this guy to do something with him and and they'll only have like two songs online or something. I'm like, man, this guy, I've got ten followers. <laughs> so yeah, I do like the I do like the fact that they're putting um, you know, they've got Jeru the Damager and guys like that, Guilty yeah. Simpson and some OGs, and yeah. they're putting them with with nobodies. I think that's a really cool thing. I it makes for an interesting yeah. listen. Yeah, we gotta bridge that gap and just yep, hundred percent. Yep, I'm with you. So yeah, thank you both for being here. This was awesome. I'm uh, glad yep. we got a chance to talk that talk. For sure. And uh, nobody said anything that they're going to regret. So that is good. Uh, <laughs> I'll just tell it to you in the messages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be good. By the way, <laughs> I hate it all. The, uh, but yes, I would say, yeah, so we, the conclusion on drums, by the way, conclusion on drums was, that drums is a great player. Drumless beat is a great player off the bench, but he's not a starter. Yes. Nope. Only if you're Rock Marcy. No one not else. A starter. And maybe Mad Lib sometimes. Here's a, here's a question then, because I must have missed that part when I was gone. But what would be a drumless track that is a starter? Cream. Cream. The first Cream. one that comes to my head is Tech to a Mac. Yes. Ooh. Rock Marciano. Kicking off the album like that is crazy. There was drums on there. It was just really subtle, or am I wrong? No, no, it's just a loop. Okay, okay. But yeah. Um, I mean, and that's the other argument you can get into. It's it's a drumless loop, but there's drums in the loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gang was talking about that. Yep, yep. Yeah. If there's drum sounds in the loop, then yeah, yeah. It depends, because, you know, like like Al, for example, this is like the Alchemist podcast. Like, but uh, <laughs> he'll he'll add drums, but make it feel like it's part of the sample. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's intentional. So, do we consider that a drumless beat? It's like, yeah. But you know. that's a subject for another time. Yeah. Another chapter two. Yeah, <laughs> six hours talking about drums. <laughs> Follow timepiece uh, on you know Twitter, Instagram, all the dating apps. Follow yep. Mighty Healthy um, on, on the, you know, the Instagram, the Twitter, uh, MightyHealthy.gov. Um, yeah. Yeah. AOL, so, you know. Yep. Singular. Yep. Waffle House. Yep. He's, he's in there. So they keep following. End of year's coming. Free Music Empire. going to ramp up. going to ramp up. End of year is going to be a good time. Awesome. Got a surprise yeah. guest. I don't know if I've told you guys. No. I've, I, last year, my favorite producer was probably Small Professor. I just love Small Professor. Yeah. The Career Crook shit just dropped recently, too. Yes, yes. We will talk to him. 
he wrote me last year. He wrote a column for me that was his favorite uh, album, produced albums of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, this I wanted to top it and get another big time producer mm-hmm. uh, to to do it, and I managed to get a really good underground person to do it. So they're they're supposed to be formulating that right now. Oh yeah, I'm excited. We'll see how it goes. Uh, that's the spoilers for the people. Anticipate that. Thank you.